You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Take Command Podcast. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. You like what you hear? Make sure you subscribe. Where, Logan? on your favorite podcast platform or wherever you're listening right now. Again, I don't know why you wouldn't be listening on your favorite, but I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt that that's a possibility. Uh, So we talked a lot Monday about week one of OTAs and looked at it a lot through the offensive lens, Logan. Let's go through the defensive lens, and we will, however, start with someone we talked about a lot on Monday, which is Chase Young. He was back um, on the sideline, obviously, rehabbing with Al Bellamy, the, the head the head trainer uh, now here with the commanders. Ron Rivera's like, yeah, it's great to have him. He was asked, Ron was asked a lot about him and, you know, leadership and all this kind of stuff. End of the day, since we spent so much time on Chase and not being here and said it was important, what's it mean for you to see him back one week later? Well, obviously, based on what I said on Monday, I think it's outstanding that he's here. And it's not, again, it's not for the rehab purpose, right? It's just, A, for the optics of being in the building. It's like the team, the coaches, all that stuff, the classroom stuff, it's all kind of the intangible things associated with being here. It just sets a, a good a good vision, good optics for the team. I think it's the right decision just from that standpoint, and hopefully hopefully he's able to learn and get some, inf- get some information and get better just being around the material a little bit more. Yeah, so let's, let's go level by level here. I think that's a good yeah. way to, to go into it because I also think if we start up front, that's going to feed nicely into the linebackers. So sure. let's start up front. Um, I know you've been super high on Fedarian Mathis and what he can do. We now see him playing, you know, spring spring practice ball yeah. uh, next to other NFL linemen against NFL linemen. What did you see from that that group up front, uh, including the the injection of Mathis in the place that you know Ioannidis and Settle used to be? Right. Yeah. So I think the thing that again, like Allen is kind of it's so funny because everyone kind of approaches OTAs a little differently. You can tell. Um, John is working on some stuff. He's, I don't want to say he's going half speed cause he always plays hard, but he's kind of trying new techniques, new, new stuff. So he's using it as like an elevated practice, which I think for a guy in his position is absolutely what you want to do. He's and what's crazy is he's still flashing excellent play. And then you go to Mathis, who's kind of learning the position, kind of the other end of the spectrum from John. And what you see is early on having a hard time adjusting to the speed this week, you know, six practices in today. And you see a guy who's starting to understand like what he needs to do to be successful and just how disruptive he can be. So, you know, he's playing on the side more often than not with uh, with um, Turner and Cosme. And those guys are very quick off the ball. So the first week they were kind of eating him up. And this week you see him kind of getting his hands on people, using that length. And there's a lot of runs that look really clean. Then you go back and watch it again. You say, oh, Fedarian's making this play. Or Fedarian's eating this double team enough or he's making this double team flat enough that Cole Holcomb's making the tackle. So... Everyone talks about his impact, you know, and like his value as a second round pick. And I think you're starting to see that already paying dividends, right? And I think the other thing that you need to consider here 
and it's hard to know now because Payne's not practicing, but you're going to get a fresher Duran Payne in third down situations. And personally, I've always thought mm. he would be an excellent third down pass rusher. So, again, I think Payne's going to play on first and second down, but now you've got this guy who's really, really good on first and second down and allows Allen, allows Payne to be a little bit fresher on the money downs, third down, two-minute, whatever you want, red zone, pass rush, all those kind of things. So I think that's just going to elevate everybody. And then you mentioned the D-line. Montez sweats back. And, again, you just underrate how freaky big and athletic that guy is. You know, Cosme has had a crazy um, OTA so far. You know, James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuo have looked like they've come a long way. You know, they're they're twitched up. They're they're stressing those guys out. But Cosme's look so under control. And then all of a sudden Montez is out there, and it's like a totally different animal. So it's just good to have him back out there and just, you know, that dominant physical presence. Um, And, again, couple that with Allen, what Fedarian's been doing. It gets you excited. Um, they also signed a defensive guy from uh, Carolina who played defensive end at Carolina. He's got he's like a, from the international exchange program. Yeah, I forget his uh, name. F.A. Obata, right? Yeah, F.A. Obata, thank you. And F.A. Obata has actually been playing end and interior, like three technique when they're in their Cinco package, which is, again, everyone's like worried about depth at the position. He's a big man with long arms and I think could be a nice rotational piece in there. Maybe like a guy that can play end three technique, you know, maybe five technique in a pinch kind of thing. So again, that group is starting to come together in a way that you don't really expect, you know, before OTA starts. Yeah. Um, is there a defensive end? Obviously, like the guy who we think is going to be the defensive end opposite right. of Montez, and we know eventually will be, is Chase. Yeah. Um, but he might not be ready week one. We'll see. Um, and even if he is ready, they need depth at that position. Yeah. Is there one of those next guys that has really stood out whether it's Casey James guys you know guys who had I think better than expected years last year obviously yeah. played a lot more than expected and and maybe you see that experience and, and knowing what they have to work on going into the offseason yeah. paying off as we get into OTAs yeah I think so it's interesting I think Casey brings a little bit more like athleticism to the position but he's also like 255 pounds so if you need like a dropper I think he's got a little juice as a pass rusher which shows up nicely good speed his get-off's probably the best of the group, right? But his ability to finish the rush needs to be refined a little bit. And then James is kind of like that he's big, he's physical. I think you feel more comfortable with him on first and second down. And so I think that might be how that progresses early. Like he'll be your first and second down guy to compliment Montez. And then the other thing about Montez is, you know, like his reputation is he's very dominant when he's fresh, but his conditioning is somewhat lacking at certain points of the year, right? Especially coming off the COVID stuff, which is totally understandable. But, you know, having three or four pieces there that allow him and Chase both when they're healthy to be fresh, I think is is a critical element. So it's nice to have those two guys, you know, who A, are solid football players, but B, add special teams value and are mm-hmm. good value adds kind of as depth pieces. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. So linebacker, we spent a lot of time on it yeah. with good reason. It's the biggest question mark on this defense. Uh, Cole, Jamin, and who else? Uh, yeah. First of all, let's start with Cole and Jamin because they're going to take the majority of the snaps. How have those two looked? So I think uh, the thing about Jamin is every once in a while, like, um, so last year during OTAs when I was out there watching, he looked like it was it was all happening really fast. And he still has plays like that, but now you see him being decisive to the football. It might take him a minute to read it, but at least now you see him running. Like I remember the first week, you just saw him open it up and like literally you're like, there's no faster player on the field than him, which is crazy because he plays linebacker. And you see that now a little bit more, right? And as the recognition improves each day, he does that more frequently. So that, to me, is very, very encouraging. He's still at times, you can tell, like his, 
His football IQ is a little low. Like today, for example, they ran a little pick route on the goal line, and the split's tight. His antenna should be up, but he kind of plays into the pick, and he's so fast he's able to get there, but the ball is completed. It's probably a first down or a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like it's just a tick late, and I think as he experiences that, it'll be better. And then Cole, I think, has really benefited, quite frankly, from Mathis playing better each and every day. So as Mathis has played better, you see Cole flash more because he's covered up a little bit better. He's fit and runs better. He's calling defenses. His Again, both those guys, It's I need to articulate this. It is so hard to play linebacker in this defense. There's so many different shifts, formations, motions, positional variations that affect your read and what you're supposed to be doing. And so there's always a little bit of indecision from those guys, but they are getting better. So it, we're really like I think the best way to say it is you want to be average at linebacker, and I think this group can be average to plus average if they keep progressing the way they have over the first couple of weeks. So – I got two follow-up questions on that. First, thinking back to our conversation with Jay, because I asked him about Del Rio, and he was like, well, he's really not that hard to prepare against. And, you know, not that that's a bad thing. It just means, like, his guys are going to line up. Hopefully it's very simple for them. They know where to go. They can play fast. Assignment, alignment, football. We're not trying to do a bunch of things. Yet to hear you say, like, hey, it's super hard to play in this defense because as a linebacker, linebacker, you have to, you have to line up like all these different things. You have to know all these different checks. I just think it's an interesting and I just think it's like an interesting dichotomy that it can be so complicated internally yet for an offensive standpoint, it's not that hard to figure out. And so how do those two things line up? Because it, it, it kind of leads to the question of like, and I, I'm, I'm asking this honestly. Yeah. I'm not trying to second guess Jack Del Rio, who knows more football than me right. by a million. But like, if it's too complicated for the guys doing it, and it ain't that hard to figure out for the guys going against it, that would seem to be unnecessary. They're not necessarily complicated for the guys doing it. So how do you square that circle? Yeah, so I think what it is is like, so for me, like when I watch it, I say, okay, like this is his, like I always watch every clip beforehand saying like this is – his gap. This is Jamin's gap. This is Cole's gap. Then all of a sudden they'll bring a motion and I'm like, okay, now that's that, that has changed formational strength. So now his gap is now here. And then they'll take that same guy. They just motion and on the snap, they'll bring him back across the formation and they'll bring him the running back that way. So I'm kind of thinking now, okay. And it's off his own redaction. So now I'm like, well, technically they have added two gaps week. And do you account for the quarterback as a, as a rusher here? And if you do, then you got to play a third gap back. So again, like even on like that's something that's really straightforward. It's just like a zone read run away, and all of a sudden there's like six variables you need to account for, and that's one of the issues of playing multiple coverage structures, which he does. He plays quarters, he plays six, he plays um, like palms, you know, which is like a variation of four, and then he plays Tampa two. They all lead to different responses and fits to those runs, and that's where it gets a little confusing, right? And then I think this is also something that needs to be said. Scott Turner, to his credit, has done a great job of formationally putting these guys in weird spots from like a fit standpoint. Like he'll do a lot of stuff where he's lining up four guys to one side and one guy over here. And it's like, okay, now all of a sudden not many people do that. How do we respond to this? So, again, it is complicated, but that's the problem with playing a gap defense as opposed to like a gap and a half defense because you you have a gap. And so now I have to identify the gap versus pullers, versus cross-sit, versus fullbacks, and it gets really confusing. It can be really challenging. There's a lot of rules. A lot of rules. A lot of rules, yeah. So that yeah. was...
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You just kind of touched on the second question I was going to ask uh, before we get to the secondary, which speaking of questions, um, but you, you say these guys are getting better every day. That's great. Yeah, they should yeah, be. It's OTAs. Yeah. But they're also getting better against the Washington Commanders offense every Correct. day. And that's not meant to put down the Washington Commanders offense because the Rams are getting better against the, Saint, or the, the yeah, LA Rams right. offense every day, right? You're seeing the same scheme. You're seeing the same guys. You're seeing, so like, you know, you, you might learn something. If you're John Allen and you're, you didn't know anything about Trey Turner last week, now you practice against him six days in a row. You might learn some twitch and you pick something up. And sure, you, you might do that through film study and stuff during the season, but it's different being able to literally see it every single day. Right. And every single rep is against those guys. You're never having to, to mix it up. You know, you might even if you play two similar schemes week one and week three, you got week two in between it. So right. I, long wind up and, and, and putting this out there is like a discussion point to say, like, how much of this is because they're playing against the same offense every day versus like, are you able to separate out? Oh, no, that guy's learned something about how to play better in the NFL, whether it's Jamie, whether it's Fedarian, whether it's Cole, these, especially with these younger guys. Yeah, so I think that's an excellent question because like, a lot of my technical style came from going against uh, Ryan Karen, Kerrigan and Brian Arakpo every day. They had a very physical way of setting the edge, and so I developed a very physical blocking style to match that. So when I get, went, up, went up against players who were a little bit different, a little bit twitchy, a little bit more loose – like, it was hard for me because I didn't see that very regularly. So that's a great point. So in the grand scheme of OTAs, so six practices, which is not a lot, but it is a significant mm-hmm. amount, um, I'd say the offense looks exceptional. Like, I don't want to say exceptional, but they look very, very good. And part of me is concerned that the defense isn't very good. Wash- or, you know, uh, Washington's defense at the moment, right? They're having some issues in the back end, which I think they may have gotten corrected over the last two days, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, I think... I think the thing with them and, and the linebackers specifically is, yes, you're getting better at identifying stuff relevant to the commander's offense. However, the way they've done their installs, which I think is really smart, is it's a little different every day. A little bit different in terms of run scheme, a little bit in terms of pass concept, a little bit in terms of two-minute red zone backed up emphasis, right? They have moved the ball periods. They seem to do really well there. And the thing that I kind of judge this on, quite frankly, is are they making plays yes or no? And it's kind of binary. You can be in the right gap but not make the play. And I will say Jamin seems to be making more plays. He's near the ball more. Same with Cole. And like, though that's a very silly metric, but for linebackers specifically, it seems to be very relevant. You know, because there's not a lot of times where they're in like man coverage or where they're, you know what I mean, or they're taken on a guard very consistently. It's like, did they identify that screen? Yes. Are they there to make the tackle? Yes. And that, for both of them, seems to be trending upward, which is good because there is a variety of stuff they're seeing every day that's not, it's not exactly the same every single day. Right. Uh, so that leads us to the secondary. And maybe the biggest, uh, most interesting point is Benjamin St. Juice. Uh, obviously yeah. had a, an up-and-down rookie year in part because the downs were injury-related. Yeah. Played pretty well uh, when he was in there. But you'd think as he comes out, like big, physical, classic outside corner, yeah. all of a sudden he's lining up in the slot. Uh, yeah. What have you made of that, and how has he done there? 
Yeah, so I think that's been because they. So the first couple of days they had Cam Curl playing the Buffalo nickel spot. They had um, Forrest playing safety and Bobby McCain playing safety. And uh, Forrest has had a hard time, like with certain coverage run in quarters specifically, because you're a run player as the quarter safety. And so he's been getting a little nosy, and there's been stuff over like behind his head. And I thought that's not something that's going to be like a long term viable solution. So. Yesterday and today, what they've done, which I think is a nice move, they they've still have kept Curl in certain situations as the Buffalo Nickel, but now they've started mixing in Benjamin St. Juice there. So Benjamin St. Juice, like you said, is a little bit bigger body who's actually a very good tackler for a corner and can fit up on some of these runs as the Buffalo Nickel player. Now, it's not all the time, but that seems to give you the best kind of collection of people right you get curl playing safety he's done he does a great job in the post i think he's better in the box but he does great in the post by mccain who i think is kind of your true post and then benjamin st juice who in this in this new coverage philosophy can match up with your number two or your third wide receiver your slot wide receiver can cover a tight end and is also big enough and physical enough to fit a run now you don't want him doing that all the time but in terms of coverages and busts, those numbers have started to come down a little bit over the last two days. I kind of mentioned how dominant the offenses looked over the first four days of practice. And then this transition is, has kind of given the defense some, some legs here a little bit. And it's all because Benjamin St. Juice can match up against uh, Jahan in the slot. And Jahan has been absolutely dicing people. I think we talked about this on the last podcast. He looks, yeah. I'm getting, I'm starting to, it's early still. I'm starting to get number one receiver vibes from him, which is great. But to have your slot corner, the guy who you're having fit runs, who can kind of erase him in the slot because he's so physical, I think is exciting. It's exciting for this group. And um, I think that has helped him quite a bit. And, and again, he's a guy you mentioned who's had a, an injury history. And I wonder about him fitting runs consistently with that injury history. So we'll have to see how that progresses once pads get on, but as of right now in the underwear Olympics of OTAs, it it is it's been a benefit to have him in that position. I thought I thought the underwear Olympics were the combine. It is, but this is like an extension. It's like, I don't know, like what do you want to call this? Like underwear? I don't know. The, like, it's like the underwear World Championship yeah, yeah, happens right. every year. I don't know. Figure it yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, taking submissions. Uh, yeah. Tweet us or tweet me at Craig Hoffman. Send send Logan. This is some weird DMs you're about to get. Yeah, send yeah. Logan an Instagram yeah, DM yeah, at, at Logan underscore Paulson eighty two. I have a different idea for the Underwear Olympics. Yeah. What's going on in your DMs? <laughs> uh, last but not least, uh, oh, actually, not uh, two more. Two more things on the on the the secondary. Yeah. One, uh, seen a lot of tweets about William Jackson. Third, not not having the the best of camps. Yeah. Is it is it too early to to be like big time concerned after the year he had last year, or is this a hey, he's a veteran, he's trying it out, he's trying his best, and uh, that should pay off in the long run? Like, where are we with William Jackson the third? I can't speak to how the team feels about him, but like, you know, I, I go out and watch practice every day and I am concerned about it. You know what I mean? And he might be trying something on, you know, like I mentioned how John is trying something on. I got to talk to John about that and he was like, oh yeah, I'm trying this new technique and I know it's going to help me. I, I know it's going to help me in the long run, but, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's hurting me right now and you can see it. So like, that makes sense to me. And I'm not even a little bit worried about John because the year he had last year, but with him, I'm, I'm kind of like, He's going to play a big role, right? Because we just talked about how advantageous Benjamin St. Juice has been in the slot. But he might need to bump outside. And then who's playing your Buffalo nickel? Who's playing your nickel corner? And then does that weaken your this nice kind of triad of coverage players you've got with him in the slot? So, again, I'm, I'm slightly concerned about it. I, I feel like when I watch, you know, Jahan against him, like Jahan wins, you know? And I feel like 
William Jackson III should have the advantage in that in that matchup because of his experience in the NFL. Now, again, like you said, it's OTAs. People approach this differently. People have a different mindset towards it. You know, I think he's. I liked his tape from Cincinnati. That player has not been here the past two years or the past year and a half. So I'm a little concerned about it. Again, I don't want to sound overly critical of him because it's really, really hard to play court in the NFL. But it's something mm-hmm. that, yes, like coming through this next probably three-week period till minicamp, like I'm watching that. I'm watching that with both eyes open. Like, And to be fair to him, today, for example, there was a rep where Curtis Samuel like beats him on a skinny post. And it looks like he gets diced up, right? But it's not his fault. It's actually Forrest's fault. Like Forrest is sniffing around in the box on the run. He should be back and then the ball right. should be intercepted. He played to help. He played to help that wasn't there. And then so again, so like there are situations like that ha- that, that that happen, which are not his fault, but he's going to get blamed for it. And so again, I think that that's important for people who are hearing all this stuff online. Um, that that's a variable to consider. No doubt. Um, and also, like it's interesting to hear that it's like Jahan doing that because I remember when Terry came on the scene, and we're like, do all these corners suck? And it's like, <laughs> oh wait, week one he scores twice against the Eagles. I think it was his rookie yeah. year, and you're like. Oh, He's it's that 17's really good. Yeah. It's, these corners are not awful. It's yeah. it's it's the receiver. So, you know, who knows? It could be that with Jahan, and, and, too, where it's just and, like you come out and you're like, oh, I know why those corners look bad, because Jahan Dotson's awesome, and that'd be great. That would be great. And, I, and again, the other thing that I want to point out, too, is Jahan's looking really good, but also Carson Wentz, his ball placement has been next level. And you see kind of what That's his great. presence does for this offense. And if he can keep his head on his shoulders and not have some type of emotional meltdown which is known to happen in the nfl it's a very stressful thing like that relationship that they've built is going to be outstanding so again like when i say like uh you know william jackson the third is getting dice like it's an excellent route by jahan but the ball placement is like unlike anything that they've had here over the last couple of years so that's another element that they're contending with last but not least on the secondary uh what other options do they have at safety? If Forrest, you know, Forrest seems to be their first option, the guy they, they were hoping to step in after they drafted him, I think, in the fourth last year. Fifth, so, I think, obviously, yeah, I know fifth, you've yeah. been you've been high on – yeah, it might have been fifth. Um, you've been high on Percy Butler. Like, you loved his tape. Like, what options do they have at safety and how, how have those other options looked if Forrest is not going to ultimately wind up being that guy? Yeah, so right now it looks like they, the other option would be Benjamin St. Juiced at Buffalo Nickel slash Nickel. The role will be right. a little different with him there. <clears throat> Curl at safety, and then Bobby McCain at the other safety, which I feel, after watching them over two days, I feel really, really good about. I think that might be that might be the way to go. Now, they were doing more pass-heavy stuff, so that might not be their kind of first and second down Buffalo nickel. We'll see how it goes. A lot, lot of offseason left. But I think Percy Butler is the next guy up, and so they've been trying him out at Buffalo nickel, pure nickel, post-safety. There's times where you see his speed, you see his aggressiveness, you see all of those things. There's other times you're like, man, this dude's got a lot on his plate at the moment. Because like I just listed four positions: Buffalo, pure nickel, post in the box. You know, he's got a lot going on. So yeah. in terms of and he's a late round pick. Like as, yeah. as talented as he is, like if he was super on top of everything and as physically gifted as he was, he'd be a first rounder. Yes, right. Like that's and, how that works. And so I think like uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm still excited about him. But I do think that they he has had something's going on. I don't know if it's like his ability to digest the defense or or whatever it is. But again, you see those flashes and you feel good about it still. And like I know they're still very high on him. But I think as of right now, he's probably the first backup to all those spots. Is the way they're looking at it with like special teams ability. And again, if he if he comes on, then maybe you feel good about him playing Buffalo Nickel and you can bump St. Juice outside or whatever. But that would be the piece that I think. And Forrest, and I don't want to sign Forrest off yet because I actually think sure. his skill set fits maybe a pure Buffalo Nickel a little bit better. 
as opposed to like this post quarters type safety that they've got him playing right now, like get him in the box, let him be physical. And that's another thing to keep an eye on. Maybe they could bump him in there saying juiced out. And then you feel good about everyone kind of in their roles. I just think they're, they're reluctant to put a rookie in at that Buffalo nickel spot because of all the kind of mental gravitas associated with the position. So, yeah. Um, you know, when we get to training camp, there we, we will probably many times say it's still only training camp. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so if we're going to say that in August, it, it's still worth pointing out. It's, it's like hundred percent before. It's like we're, we're still in June. Yeah. And we're barely in June. Yeah. So uh, six, long way to six go. Six practices. So a lot, a lot of stuff still to do. For sure.